The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about after week two in the NFL season. We are recording this on Sunday night during the Giants-Cowboys game. That game currently is in the third quarter, uh, so bear that in mind. Of course, Chicago and Seattle coming Monday night, but we want to get this out to you a little earlier this year so you can enjoy it on your Monday commute. Uh, and there were a lot of upsets this week, we saw some teams that were heavily favored either struggle or lose outright. We saw some teams that were kind of week one Cinderella's and nobody expected it to continue. So they saw it continue. Uh, and maybe we're seeing the birth of a superstar. Um, but before we get into all that, before I get into all that, uh, Hill, I'll see the floor to you. Your thoughts on uh, a wild day in the NFL. Yeah, it was beyond <laughs> unpredictable in a, in a few different ways. And we kind of expected that. Week two, it's really weird. You know, like the, the Colts were able to win. That was something that a lot, not a lot of people saw coming. The Jets came crashing back to earth. Ryan Fitzpatrick is apparently Johnny Unitas reincarnated. Like the, and, of course, I can venture to guess who you're talking about, the budding superstar <laughs> that, that, that we have. But things are looking a lot different than we thought they were going to. And that, that's the exciting part. And I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing where this goes because you take a look at it across the board. You got positives like Mahomes and Fitzpatrick are looking like they're MVP candidates. And on the flip side of that, New Orleans barely beat Cleveland, so you've got question marks all over the place. Is Tampa for real? Is New Orleans a joke? The Vikings they tied up at the Packers. What's going on there? And Rogers' health. And then the game tonight that we're watching, I'd barely call it a game because the Cowboys are running all over the Giants, but. I don't know. It, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these things play out because the unpredictability seems to be on par with what we expected. Well, for anyone who's new to the show, 
Uh, we will go over every single game. We'll, we'll break down the opening lines for week three. And as we do that, we'll kind of recap what we saw from the previous games uh, during week two. And look, for me, my main takeaway, Patrick Mahomes looks like he is going to be the next great quarterback in the NFL. And I admit, as, as someone who's followed that team for 30 years, I'm a supporter of them. I never thought I'd see the day where they actually had a franchise quarterback that was homegrown. It wasn't some guy that they got from the Niners for two years. Uh, you know, you try not to get too enamored with a player after three starts and, you know, two starts obviously this year. Ten touchdowns and no picks. And it's not even the statistics. If you just watch him, if you watch the games, he runs the offense like he's been the, the quarterback in it for a decade. I mean, they, they're so smooth. They went into Pittsburgh, where they haven't won since 1986, and just took them apart. If the Chiefs' defense was even average in that game, it's over by halftime. I mean, they were 21 nothing before the anthem was over. Um, and we'll get into that more here as we get to the Chiefs' game, to the Steelers' game, so I won't go too in-depth now. But for me, that was my main takeaway. Certainly, Fitzpatrick and the Bucks are the surprise of the league. They look great. Yeah. Uh, no question about that. We'll talk more about that. Um, I have some thoughts on the Packers-Vikings game um, and a call that should never have been made in it. Yeah. Um, but but for me, personally, my takeaway is just if Mahomes is even 75% of what we've seen the first two weeks, he is going to be an MVP candidate, which is mind-blowing considering he's 22 and a first-year starter, but that's where we are. Yeah, and then also my other takeaway is have kickers forgotten how to kick? Yes. Like I know this is a thing. Like this was a thing for a while, especially like, I'm a Bucks fan. So I've had to, I had to, I've had to live this life for many seasons. We haven't had a consistent kicker since Martin Gramatica was hopping around. So, and it's been a while because a lot of people probably don't know who that is. But how many kicks I mean the 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 Broncos had or the Raiders had a problem with it. The both Mason Crosby and whoever's kicking for the Vikings that Daniel Carlson had a problem. Zane Gonzalez is going to be the face of this week because the Browns should have won in New Orleans if he doesn't miss two extra points. It's like across the Greg Zerline got hurt and they had to go to Hecker for being their kicker. To me that's that's my big takeaway is you think about kickers and it's not a big deal. Your quarterbacks are the face of the league. You've got your Saquon Barkley's, your running backs are the superstars. But you get a guy who misses a kick, one missed kick change. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Changes a game. Like, the, if the Browns make just one of those two extra points, they win in New Orleans. That's a big deal, and I, I, I'm just perplexed as to how Dan Bailey doesn't have a job right now, Kai Forbath doesn't have a job right now, your guy at Cairo Santos doesn't have a job right now, which, by the way, I don't know how John Dorsey doesn't have him on the phone right now. They know each other from Kansas City. You need a kicker in Cleveland. So to me, my big takeaway was the kickers forgot how to kick, and that's just an incredible oversight by some of these coaches. Yeah, there's no question. The kicking game factored into this week as much as any week I can remember. And actually, let's start there. That's a perfect place to start to talk about Cleveland. Cleveland is hosting the Thursday night game this, this week, looking for their first win since Christmas Eve of 2016. 
They host the Jets, and guess what? They're favored by three points. Uh, the Jets are coming off a, a very underwhelming and disappoint—excuse me—and disappointing loss. Lost twenty to twelve to the Dolphins. With all due respect to the Dolphins, if the Jets are going to fancy themselves as some kind of a contender, you can't lose that game. Not at home. Maybe in Miami. Not at home. But the Jets lose. So they fall to one and one. Meanwhile, you've got Cleveland, who's o one and one, and could easily be two and zero. As weird as that sounds. Yeah. Uh, and, and to be fair, could easily also be on too. But that's where we start with, with that game on Thursday night in Cleveland. The Jets at the Browns. The Browns favored by field goal. Yeah, that's, that's a nod of respect for what they went into New Orleans and did, which I'm still unsure of whether that is speaking more about the Browns and their improvement because it's back-to-back mediocre weeks, which is an improvement off of what we saw last season, or if that says less about the, the Saints, who in back-to-back weeks turned in awful performances. They get roasted by the Bucks in the first week, and then they get almost roasted by the Browns. So I did like some things that I've seen the first two weeks defensively from, from Cleveland. Okay, Miles Garrett seems like he's going to be the real deal, which we expected last year, but now he's evolving even more. Defensively, Greg Williams has been doing some interesting things with that team. And they held uh, the Steelers in week one, a team that we saw score a billion points against the, the Chiefs on Sunday. They held the Steelers in check, and then they held Drew Brees in check, which is something that I didn't think was going to happen. So now they're going up against Sam Darnold, who kind of came back to earth a little bit after his big week one. I, I'm fairly confident that the Browns first win is going to come against John Gruden just because I, I want that narrative so I can't I can't pick them next week because it's it's a short week and I don't know how Hugh Jackson's going to turn this around on a short week I have more confidence it comes down to the head coach so I have more confidence in Todd Bowles turning this around or turning the Jets around on a short week on a Thursday than I am with Hugh Jackson so I have I have to go with with New York in this one yeah you know I have to go with the Jets, too, just because I need the Browns to show me they can win a game. Mm-hmm. I'm not picking the Browns until they win a football game. I'm yeah. sorry. They, they, they never win. And, look, the Saints game, they score on a fourth and five from midfield with under two minutes to go, and their kicker misses the extra point to leave the game tied at 18. Then the Browns predictably let the Saints go down the field. It's okay. Look, no, no sin in that. Breeze is a great quarterback. He's at home. They kick a field goal. The Browns get in position to tie the game. Kicker misses another field goal. I mean, and, and this is off of a game that week one they could have won if their kicker could have made a field goal. And I'm yep. not blaming all this on Zane Gonzalez. It just comes down to the Browns had a million opportunities to extend the lead against the Saints who couldn't do it. The Browns could have made a stop that couldn't do it. Hugh Jackson at some point here. I mean, can you ever have a game plan where you get the team out in front and then you can put a team away? I, I know the Browns aren't that talented. I get it. But they're more talented than they were the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, at some point here, at some point, you've got to be able to figure out a way to bury somebody. And that wasn't going to be easy on Sunday. The Saints are a good team. They're at home. They're, they're pissed off through the way they played week one. I get it. But because of that, I'm taking the Jets. Look, the Jets, to me, I think they're better than people maybe realize, although that whole line of th- thinking takes a hit when you lose 20 to 12 to the Dolphins, <laughs> especially when you have three turnovers, seven penalties. The Dolphins' net passing yardage in that game is 122, and they won the game. Uh, it can't happen. It, if you're the Jets, that just cannot happen. The Jets only ran for 2.2 yards per carry in that game. The Dolphins are exactly double at that, 
The Dolphins only took two penalties. And you're going to win games when you don't take penalties. You win the turnover battle and you run the ball effectively. Uh, the Dolphins get a big win. We'll get to them a little later. But I will take the Jets because I just do not trust Cleveland to win a game. No, and like the, the Browns' stats aren't that impressive. Like I, We've talked about how much we like New York's defense, Jamal Adams and, and you know, Tremaine Johnson, everything that they have going on. But like Carlos Hyde had 43 yards rushing. Antonio Callaway led with 81 yards, 47 of which came on one pass. Like There's not a whole lot that you're stunned with when you're watching this Browns offense. And that was the same thing with the, the uh, Pittsburgh game. If they could have even had one drive that went well, where they had any sort of consistency, where they looked anything remotely like an actual football team, they win. And like you said, it's not all on Zane Gonzalez. He's going to be the easy scapegoat because he missed some field goals and he missed some extra points. And the kicker's always the easy guy to dog on. But this team, I just, I have no confidence in the offense. If anything, the saving grace for this is it's going to be a gross, ugly game on Thursday. It might actually be a good defensive game between two defenses on the rise. In a couple of years, we might be talking about these, the Browns defense and the Jets defense as two of the better units in football. It's the offenses that I'm concerned about. So, I, I, and like you said, I can't take the Browns until they win a game. Just do it. They've come close, but just do it. Yeah. Uh, look, let's go to the Sunday slate. We'll start with the biggest line of the week by a considerable margin. In fact, unless I'm missing something, I believe it is the only – line of the week that is in double digits and that is the bills are visiting the vikings the vikings are 1-0-1 after a 29-29 tie in green bay apparently ties now all the rage in the nfl the bills are 0-2 of course they got waxed 47-3 week one in baltimore they come back this week closer games they still lose 31-20 to the chargers game wasn't all that closer than 28-3 at halftime so I don't think really the question here is whether the Bills are going to win. Excuse me, it's 26 at halftime. I don't think there's a question of whether the Bills will win. I think it is will they cover. And so I will ask you, Mr. Hill, do you think the Bills will cover 16 and a half points at Minnesota? No, they didn't spot them enough points. They need to spot them maybe 30, and I'd start entertaining the idea of, of the idea that they might actually do this. Look, the Bills are terrible. And we've talked about this now for two straight weeks that Sean McDermott may or may not know what he's doing as head coach. He's already stripped Leslie Frazier of the defensive play calling uh, abilities. Josh Allen's getting thrown to the fire. They have no offensive playmakers whatsoever. This is a bad... I mean, Vontae Davis retired at halftime of of the game on Sunday because the Bills are so bad. Like, that has never happened before. I can't remember anything like that ever happening before where somebody on a team is like, we are so bad that I want no part of this. I'm ending my career right now. That is that is literally where the Bills are at. And the Vikings, I know they had a game against Green Bay that they tied. They probably should have won that or lost that game. I'm sorry because the Clay Matthews thing. But you don't lose to the Bills. This is not Cleveland and New Orleans where we're going to be sitting around on Sunday being like, oh, wow, this might be a shocker. This is this is the game where they're going to have to fuzzy bar censor the score. And they're, like you say, they're, the, the Vikings are going to do things to the Bills that are just, they're going to have to cut the commercial. It's, it, they put this behind a paywall. It's going to be gross. The Vikings are going to murder Buffalo, and there's no chance in hell that the Bills even come close to covering. I'm sorry. It's just, Josh Allen against that defense? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, it is a huge line, and there's a part of me, it's just the Bills score some like a late touchdown or something, but I don't see it. I will take the Vikings even with those points. Look, the Bills are just – they're punchless. 
Okay, here's the receivers that caught a pass on Sunday for the Bills. Zay Jones, Chris Ivory, Charles Clay, LaShawn McCoy, Patrick DeMarco, Kelvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes, Robert Foster, Logan Thomas, Marcus Murphy, Jason Crone. Gross. And the only guy with more than 30 yards is Zay Jones. That's it. Uh, I, I don't see any way the Bills win, for sure. I don't think they'll cover, although that line is so outrageous that if Cousins throws a pick or two, maybe the Bills find a way to just keep it close. Uh, Allen was 18 and 33 for 245 in his first career start. A touchdown, two picks. Touchdown came late. He was sacked five times by a Chargers defense. It was out without Joey Bosa, and they'd given up 38 points at home in Week One. Look, I just don't see how the Bills are going to win many games this year. And I'll tell you what, you'll get their schedule. It's hard to find a win. Their next two weeks are at Minnesota, at Green Bay. Uh, they're all in four, and then you get a game at home against the Titans. Uh, at, at Houston, at the Colts, you get New England. I mean, they, I'll tell you right now, there's not going to be a game they're favored in all year. Mm-mm. There's not going to be one. Maybe, maybe the final game of the year they hosted Dolphins. I, if you know if the Bills have won a couple, then I- Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. I, I don't see it. I, I'm not saying I think they're going to go on 16 because it's pretty damn hard to go on 16 in the NFL, although Cleveland has proved otherwise. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'll take the Vikings, and so... We can move on. Cincinnati at Carolina. Interconference game. Cincinnati, of course, 2-0. and One of the few undefeateds left in the league. Carolina coming off of a pretty pretty bad loss to yeah. Atlanta. Not even because, you know, I mean, Atlanta's a good team, but Carolina really didn't show up for much of the game. The Bengals, of course, coming in off the mini-bye. They played Thursday. They beat the Ravens 34-23. to They had a huge lead, almost blew it, and then held on. The Bengals suddenly, the uh, front-runner, in the AFC North, a game ahead of Baltimore, the winning handle from in a game and a half ahead of both Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Carolina one and one, a game behind your Bucks, even up with New Orleans and Atlanta. Thoughts on Carolina being favored by a field goal? I was half right about the Steelers not making the playoffs and not winning the AFC North. I was wrong about who would win it instead, which I thought was going to be the Ravens. But right now, it looks like it could be the Bengals, who, if they win this game, are a sneaky three and zero. Like, that's, you know, people are going to be sleeping on that because it's Marvin Lewis, because it's Andy Dalton, because it's the most unsexy combination of football that you could possibly think of. And it's also underwhelming because they could go 14-2 and and they'd find a way to lose their first playoff game because that's their M.O. But as of right now for what they look like, I don't hate it. Like, the defense is coming together nicely. We saw that on Thursday. They were able to hold down Joe Flacco, which isn't that hard, for most of the game. Now they're going up against Cam Newton, who is mortal. We've seen that before. If you get some pressure on him, if you get him running around and scrambling, if you get some big hits on him, as long as they're legal and you don't get kicked out of the game like today in in, uh, Atlanta, he he can be gotten to. And this offense isn't anything special. They don't have Greg Olson, all right? It's not that daunting of a task to beat the Panthers. Now, I understand why they're favored because defensively, there's some things that you could like. And also, I don't think people are buying into the Bengals yet. And I think that's a big reason why Carolina is favored. It's because 
nobody believes in this team right now, which is fair because it's only the first two weeks of the season. However, I think that they're going to beat Carolina. They're going to be 3-0. and They're going to be sitting alone atop the AFC North. And all of a sudden, we're going to have to sit down and take a hard look at ourselves and say, are the Bengals good? And are we going to really admit that to ourselves? Or is this just a lucky three-game stretch and things are going to regress to the mean once we get to the middle of the season? But right now, it's really hard to bet against them. Just because they've been so bad for so or so mediocre for so for so long, it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, experience here, where it's just they're so mediocre for so long, they're just hanging around, and the stars are aligning for some reason. Uh, I think that they beat Carolina. It's what what the way that they've looked over the first two games of the season. I, it's kind of hard to pick against them. I'm going to take Carolina in the game for a few reasons. One is I think Carolina looked awful against Atlanta. You look at the score and say, well, they lost by a touchdown. Carolina never really threatened in the game until the very end. And he, mm-hmm. here's the one problem I will say right off the bat I've got with Carolina. With Greg Olson out, I don't like their weapons at all. Yeah. And DJ Moore is a rookie receiver. I like him, but he only had one catch. And that was 51-yard touchdown, but he had one catch. Uh, they have to run everything in this offense through Newton and McCaffrey. And if those two guys aren't leading the charge, it's over. Yeah. They have nobody else. Funches is average. Jarius Wright's a guy. Torrey Smith is a guy. C.J. Anderson's another guy. Like, it's just, you look at their, their box score against Atlanta, and I'm not a big box score guy, but I think this tells it pretty well. Look, McCaffrey had eight carries, 37 yards. He was only bested in that department by Newton, who had 42 yards. And McCaffrey had 14 catches for 102 yards. So I'm not a huge Newton guy. I never have been. I, I don't think he plays uh, a lot of on-schedule football, and by that I mean a lot of times it's a lot of big play or no play he's not great at hitting the intermediate routes and I think a lot of times that leads to stall drives when there shouldn't be that being said so why am I picking the Panthers well I'm picking the Panthers because I have no faith in in the combination of Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton they're going on the road I think Carolina is a better team I think they show up and they play like a better team Cincinnati I think they feel like well I shouldn't say they feel like but I think you know they don't need this game if they lose, it's out of conference. They're two and one, big deal. They, you know they'll move on. I think Carolina gets it done. I think it's an ugly game. I think it's a tight game all the way. I could even see Cincinnati covering the three and losing. Um, and I'll say this: if Cincinnati wins, Cincinnati's starting to put some pressure on the other teams in that division. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know it's early, and I said this to you while we were watching the games on Sunday here in the fan side office. But you know, Yogi Berra had that old famous saying: you know, it's getting late early. Well, mm-hmm. if, if, if Cincinnati wins this week and Pittsburgh loses, it's getting late early. But I will take Carolina minus three. I'll, I'll pick them to cover, although I could see them uh, being, being covered on by Cincinnati. Speaking of the AFC North, another game to get to here, Baltimore hosting Denver. Of course, Baltimore also coming off of uh, the elongated bye, having played last Thursday night. After killing Buffalo, they looked like, trash against Cincinnati for a large majority of the game. Denver scraped by Seattle, barely scraped by Oakland on a game-winning field goal in the final seconds. Uh, both of those games coming in Denver. This is their first road game. They come across the country. Baltimore favored by five points. Uh, what say you, Hill, on that line? This is just a gross game. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be bad offense. It's going to be very bad. It's Case Keenum against Joe Flacco. And I just find I'm finding it very hard to locate things that are fun about this game. Like not even the running backs. There's nothing offensively that's gonna that does it for me on either of these teams. The Broncos have a better defense, I think, 
But it, this kind of goes back to the, the Ravens need this game because they cannot afford to go to one and two and be in that division and hope that they're going to stay in the wild card hunt and hope that they're going to stay in the in the chase for the divisional crown because they just they can't do that. Meanwhile, the Broncos, they'll be two and one. That's not really that bad. And even if they get to three and oh, it's going to be a weak 3-0. and Like, I know we're going to have to hear about, oh, maybe Case Keenum's doing it again, just like he did with Minnesota last year, waiting for the other shoe to drop. But Minnesota was winning games last year. The Broncos are barely avoiding losing games, which is a big difference between those two. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Baltimore in this one, just because they started to turn it on late Thursday against the, against the Bengals. And I don't want to put too much stock in a loss on Thursday night because those games are always so wonky. Uh, it's in Baltimore, so give me the home team. Give me Baltimore in this one. Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore too because you know what the Broncos remind me of? The Broncos of last year. Ooh, yeah. 2-0. and Now, I'll preface that by saying I do think the Broncos are better this year, although I think they're probably like 7-8 wins better, not like 10 or 11 wins in the division title better. No. The problem I see with Denver, and I've watched both their games in totality, and I'm, you know, I try to watch every game in totality, but you know, we all have lives. Uh, you know, I may not get to the Bills every week. Um, Keenum in this game, 1935 for 222 and a pick against the Raiders at home. You have to be better than that. He threw three picks against Seattle, and they were deserved picks. Demarius Thomas in this game was dropping everything he could get his hands on. He had five catches for 18 yards. Uh, my, my problem with this game really was watching it. I thought Denver ran the ball effectively, 168 yards, six yards of carry. Philip Lindsay's done a nice job here as a young kid. I just do not trust Denver in these games. I, I don't think the defense is bad, but I don't think it's as good as it used to be. And the offense is is not good. They, they don't have any weapons that really scare you, maybe outside of Sanders, although he's getting older. I like the Ravens in this game because the Ravens are at home. They're typically hard to beat there. They have the extra couple of days off. Uh, and I think they, they need to win this game more than Denver. I think that stuff does matter. I, I think Denver covers, but I think they lose. And I, I think we start to see Denver come back down to earth a little bit. Like their schedule coming up here is not a picnic. It's at Baltimore, home to the Chiefs on a Monday night, Ooh. at the Jets, home to the Rams. Then they get a Thursday night game at the Cardinals, which they should win, but it's a Thursday night. Those games are always weird. Then they're at the Chiefs. And it, it's not easy from there. I mean, you could pretty much go down the list. They don't have another game where I'd say they're definitely going to win until December 15th and they play Cleveland at home. So Denver now is is going to be challenged significantly, and I think they falter here for the first time. Uh, going to the NFC, Green Bay and Washington and I'll, I'll lead off a little bit here. Green Bay's favored by field goal in the game. Of course, Green Bay tied, as we talked about earlier. Washington, just an abysmal loss to the Colts at home. They only scored nine points. It couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, it was a game where Alex Smith throws the ball 46 times, and believe me, if Alex Smith has to throw the ball 46 times, you're in bad, bad shape. Uh, I'll say this about Green Bay. Green Bay ought to be 2-0. I'm not one to blame officials for games. I think it's weak. I think it's a loser's mentality. Um, Clay Matthews was called for a roughing the passer penalty in the fourth quarter at Green Bay, Minnesota game. If you didn't see it, it's just an appallingly bad call. He hit Cousins in the strike zone. He didn't even land on him. It was a perfect form tackle, and he was called for roughing the passer because supposedly he, he 
took Cousins off the ground and drove him into the ground. I don't know what these guys are supposed to do. I don't know how defensive players are supposed to make a sack. At some point here, you got to let them play football. They all know what they signed up for. I, I don't know what else we have to do to protect quarterbacks. And I want all these guys to be safe. I want these guys to live their lives after the game. I don't want anybody getting wheeled off on a stretcher. I'm not about that. It's not the way I look at the game. But football is physical, and it's a contact sport. And, yeah, there's violence in it. And guess what? Everybody who says, well, I don't want violence in the game, you're a liar. Because everybody watches football partially because of the big hit and the huge collision. And I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but you've got to be able to tackle the quarterback. And that's all Clay Matthews did. And I have a feeling they're going to take their frustrations out on Washington this week. Washington had a game against Arizona. Everybody said, well, was Washington better than we think? No, as it turns out, Arizona might be the worst team in football on Buffalo. All you need to know about the game of Washington against Indianapolis, Jamison Crowder led the Redskins in rushing with 29 yards. And in case you didn't know, Jamison Crowder is a receiver. So that, that, that's how that game went in D.C. Yeah, I believe uh, on our fan-sided pregame show, one Mark Harmon said that Adrian Peterson is back after his week one performance and denied the fact that it was a fluke. But 11 carries and 20 yards seems to suggest that Adrian Peterson is just as done as we expected him to be before this. He's, and, he's not good. And, and to, the, to that point, defensively, okay, the Colts scored 21 points, and Andrew Luck threw for under 200 yards. That's alarming. Okay, Andrew Luck throws for less than 200 yards, and the Colts score 21 points. You imagine what Aaron Rodgers is going to do to that defense, especially coming off a week where they should have won. And to your point about the Clay Matthews thing, which we wrote about, and it was as atrocious as you described it. If I'm a quarterback, and the rule is it is uh, the defender's driving you into the ground because you leave your feet, I'm doing the. Uh, I'm taking a page out of the LeBron James book of flopping, where as soon as I get touched by a defender, I'm pushing off and I'm leaving my feet, but I'm making it look like he's taking me off my feet. Every single time you're going to get that call. That's the flaw in that penalty. It's just ridiculous. There's no way the Packers should have lost that game because of the officiating. And like you said, it's a loser's mentality to blame the refs. I hate it when people do that, but that was egregious. And it's not the, the thing is, it's not the first time we've seen that kind of call. And it's not going to be the last time we see that kind of call. It's week two. This was a big, big divisional game that could, at the end of the day, decide who wins the NFC North. And that call is involved. That's disgusting. Like, we're going to see it again later in the year. And you know it's coming with a Tom Brady play. You know it's coming in a big game with the Patriots. And Tom Brady is going to be able to draw this penalty. And it's going to change the the outcome of the game. Like, Green Bay won on Sunday, they beat the Vikings, but it was a tie game because the game was allowed to be extended. Now, a lot happened after that, like Mason Crosby couldn't hit a, uh, a field goal to win the game, and then you know what happened in overtime happened. But that is a rough, rough way to go, and the Packers are going to take it out on, on Washington in a big, bad way next week. And you know it's going to be rough when Alex Smith throws the ball 46 times, throws for less than 300 yards, and no touchdowns. It is the most bland stat line that you can think of. 292 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. It's like he barely existed in that game. So give me, give me Green Bay all day in this one. Washington doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, I, I don't see how the Redskins win the game. I, I really don't. Now, the team that beat the Redskins, staying on the road, staying in the NFC North, Indianapolis, they're a six-point dog against Philly. Philly uh, might start... 
Carson Wentz in this game. We don't know yet. Nick Foles could be headed back to the bench, or maybe he gets one more look. Phillies installed as a six-point favorite. I would expect that line to swing dependent upon whether or not Wentz uh, is back in action. He's expected to be cleared for contact through the announcement that he is cleared for contact uh, tomorrow on Monday, so today for all you folks listening. Uh, look, Andrew Luck has been okay since coming back. I think people are going to overreact to the fact that the Colts won the game. He was 21-31 for buck seventy-nine with a pair of touchdowns and a pair of picks. It's not a great game. Uh, he averages 5.8 yards in attempt. Uh, last game against Cincinnati, he was 39-53. He's, he's averaging less than six yards in attempt so far this year with four touchdowns and three picks. So I'm happy he's healthy. I'm happy he's back, but he's got a long way to go. This is a very tough spot for the Colts. The, the Buccaneers laid it on the Eagles. The- Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Eagles did come back late. They made it a game, but they couldn't ultimately come all the way back. This game's in Philly. It's the second time in a row that the Colts are on the road I like Philly, and I like them big in this game. I said on our stack, oh, actually our NFL live show on Sunday morning uh, that I saw no reason to pick the Colts against the Redskins, and you, Hill, said, no, nah, I'm picking the Colts, and you were right. I was dead wrong. Um, I will ride hard, though, with Philly in this game. I would be very surprised if they lost. If it was anybody other than, well, not anybody, but if it was a handful of teams other than the Colts, I would be tempted to take them. Just because I've been so unimpressed with what I've seen from Philadelphia through the first two weeks of the season. That first game against Atlanta, they should have lost. Okay, the Falcons should have been up 14-0 at a bare minimum if Steve Sarkeesian had any idea what he was doing in the red zone. Okay, they looked very mediocre against Atlanta, and they just let the Bucks lay it on them this week. I'm a little concerned if I'm an Eagles fan. Like, I know there's this idea that it's only September and the good teams don't really figure themselves out until, you know, late November into December because they're playing for January. It's the old, the the Patriots thing, who we'll get to because they were an atrocity today too. But, you know, Bill Belichick, he doesn't care if he loses games in September because he's getting his team ready to win in January and February. It's kind of the same mentality here with with the Eagles, and I can see where fans are coming from, where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, we barely beat the, the Falcons in week one, and then we lost to Ryan Fitzpatrick week two. It's fine. It's only September. But there are some alarming things here. Like, that secondary for, for, Atlanta, or for uh, Philadelphia, I'm not terribly confident that it's going to be able to hold up over the course of the season. Now, Andrew Luck is a perfect kind of comeback to the mean thing here for, for the Eagles because he's not – he, he's, he's Andrew Luck, so he's going to have his, but the weapons around him aren't that great. That's why I think if they're going to bring Carson Wentz back, it should be, it's better to bring him back and ease him in against Indianapolis than it is to throw him into the fire against Minnesota. So give me Philadelphia in this, but I'm not terribly confident that the Eagles are as good as people are giving them credit for being when they're just one and one, and they're a very unimpressive one and one from what we've seen. Yeah. I, I agree. The Eagles have not played well. They've not been impressive. But that all said, look, 
I think the Colts got a good win on the road. Give them credit, but that roster, come on now. Yeah, I mean that you're asking a lot for yeah. them to continuously go on the road here and win a bunch of games. Uh, do you know who led them in rushing on Sunday? The Eagles, the Colts. Oh, the Colts? No, God, who? Jordan Wilkins. <laughs> oh, jeez, good. Honest God. to God, not even sure who that is. Wait, I, and yeah. I and it's my job to know everybody in the league is. I pride myself in doing it. Literally, have no idea who he is. Um, so that's all you need to know about that. Okay, moving on. This game does have a line, but it's obviously fluid. It's the Giants against the Texans. The Giants, of course, are still playing early in the fourth quarter as we're talking about it right now, and it is 13-3 Dallas. Uh, the Giants very well could be 0-2 here. Houston is 0-2. Houston with really just a befuddling start to the year. They go to New England, and okay, look, they lost to New England. There's no shame there. God knows many of the team have gone to Gillette and lost. Then they go to Tennessee. Tennessee is playing Blaine Gabbert. They don't have a Delaney Walkers out for the year. And Tennessee gets a 14-0 in the first quarter and holds on, wins late on a field goal in the fourth quarter, takes it 20-17. to So Houston now is left just shaking its collective head. And the funny, you know, the funny thing or the odd thing, depending on how you want to word it, is you look at the statistics in this game for, for Houston – Deshaun Watson, 22-32 for 310 yards, two TDs, and a pick. The Texans ran for 148 yards and 5.7 yards of carry. Fuller had 113 yards. Hopkins had 110 yards. They didn't lose any fumbles, and they still lost. They still lost to a Blaine Gabbert-led team. Blaine Gabbert went 13-20 of 20 for a buck 17. And Houston now sits 0-2. Houston now gained Tennessee 437-283. And what that tells me, all, that, all those numbers tell me, Houston is better than how they're playing. They're just not playing particularly well enough to, to finish off these games. They gave up a touchdown on special teams on a fake punt. I think Houston is going to cream the Giants. And I, I was on the Giants for the year start. We talked about it today. The Giants, you know what? They're going to be better this year. The, Manning is done with a capital D. Their offensive line still stinks. I don't know how many times you got to watch Eric Flowers go out there and just get roasted over and over and over. The line's three and a half toward the Texans. Take that and then some. Look, I just don't buy the Giants at all. If they, if they can only get three points on Dallas, I, I see no reason to think that Houston's going to lose this game. And Houston has to win, and they're the better team. They do have to win. Uh, I'll throw a stat at you here. The Texans with Deshaun Watson are three and six. That's not good. That is not what you're looking for. And I think that's more of an indictment of Bill O'Brien than it is than, than on Deshaun Watson. But if there's a game for them to kind of get going this year, it is against the Giants, who unfortunately are a lot worse than I thought they were going to be because I thought they were going to maybe turn things around, get control of that NFC East. They were a sneaky pick for me. Everything we saw on Sunday night was just disgusting from them. And it all starts with, and we, we watched it in the office here, and we both said the same thing at the same time. They had a fourth and in inches in the first quarter at midfield, and they punted. Fourth and in inches. You have Saquon Barkley, who you drafted with, the, with your top pick in the draft, and you take, you take a punt? Like, what are you doing? And then they go for it on fourth down later in the game, but it's far too late. The offensive line can't block. Eli Manning... He can't get anything going. This is, this is bad news. And we, we've been saying it plenty, and we're going to be saying it more, and other people are going to be saying it too. It is going to look awful when Sam Darnold is going to the playoffs with the Jets 
and the Giants are at home watching the team in their same building go to the playoffs with a guy they could have drafted. The Giants passing on Sam Darnold is going to be one of the biggest what-if moments in that franchise's history because it's altering things in a negative way. They give Odell Beckham all this money. They're trying to build an offense, but they don't have a line. And they have a quarterback who's 8,000 years old who, unfortunately, looks like he's not going to have a late career redemption, which is whatever. But the fact that they passed on Sam Darnold looks worse week by week. And it's only week two. So you can imagine how awful this is going to look as we get deeper into the season. Houston, they're disappointing to me so far, but there's still some time to figure things out, to turn things around. I think it starts here against the Giants. Give me Houston in this one. And, I mean, my God, pull the curtains over this Giants season right now because this is disgusting to watch. Yeah, it's time to uh, it's time to pull the curtain around the Giants and, and just put everybody out of their misery, I think, as far as the season goes, metaphorically. Um, it's It's been a disaster. I don't see any anything getting better for the Giants, it just they, they don't have a quarterback. And they don't have a line. I mean, at some point, that's great. You have all these weapons. Who cares? You can't get the ball at any of them. So I don't. I don't know. And look, as far as the Darnold thing, and I'll leave it at this. I'm from New York. Uh, I grew up there most of my life. Listen to you know Mike Francesa and all that. And I'm telling you, they will hear about that pick of Barkley over Darnold. I don't care. Barkley's a Hall of Famer. If Darnold's a really good quarterback, they will hear about that for the end till the end of time. Uh, on sports radio, in the papers, on TV, you name it. So, this game to me is a very intriguing matchup. One of the real underrated rivalries in the NFL. The Saints at the Falcons. Mm. The Falcons favored by a field goal. So, Vegas not giving either team really the edge outside of the home field uh, three points. The Saints are coming off of... I guess you have to call it a win. They beat the Browns 21-18. They looked awful. They trailed for most of the game. They did give them credit, find a way to win. Atlanta, on the other hand, we already talked about. They beat up on uh, the Panthers at, at home. Now, it should be said here, the Falcons are not expected to have Devonta Freeman in this game as they didn't in Week 2. They, of course, don't have Keanu Neal or Deion Jones defensively. Tevin Coleman stepped up. 16 carries, 107 yards in the game. He averaged over 6.5 yards per carry. There was a very balanced attack in the passing game. Ryan is 23-28, 272 and two touchdowns with a pick. Um, this is a very intriguing – I'm going to take the Falcons. Oh, for no other reason, because the Saints have looked terrible. Yeah. The Saints have looked awful. Now, the Bucks are looking like they're better than we thought they were going to be, so maybe that loss isn't you know, the, the bad loss we thought it was, although it's still at home. And if you're a good team, you're going to win those games at home. But the, the Falcons – I, I think got right. The big question with them, as it is every week, is what team's showing up in the red zone? Mm-hmm. That's always the question. I think the Falcons win. They're at home in the game. And I just, until I see the Saints pull out of it, and I think they will, but until they get out of this funk, I'm taking Atlanta. I, yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints on this one just because the way that they adjusted last year was so good. They adjusted on the fly, they were able to go week to week. And that really kind of reflected in the, the way that they went off. Because so the first two games of last year, they lose to the Vikings, a game that we all remember on, on the Monday night with Adrian Peterson and yelling at Sean Payton. And then they lose to the Patriots the next week at home. After that, they rattled off eight wins in a row. So to me, I have to see the, the Saints be unable to adjust on the fly before I say, all right, this is a mess. Now, to be fair... Lose, almost losing to the Browns at home 
is a lot different than losing to the Vikings and losing to the Patriots in back-to-back weeks to start last year. So there's, 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 there's that to take into consideration. But this is around the time last year that the Saints kicked in the gear and were able to f- figure out their mistakes as they went and rattle off all those wins in a row. And then they almost go to the Super Bowl if they don't miss a tackle. So give me one more week of the Saints. If they struggle again, and if that defense looks as crappy as it's looked, which is supposed to be the saving grace this year, or they lose, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm going to be out on the Saints. Then I'm going to be out big time. But right now, I need one more week to kind of really see where this team's going to go, and then I'll make a final assessment on them. It's fair. It's fair. I think the Saints have a ton of talent. But at some point here, you got to get going. Kamara doesn't have 100 rushing yards between the first two weeks of the year, and Ingram's suspended. That, yeah. to me, has been the biggest difference, along with this defense has just really, really struggled at times. Uh, to get the job done. Yeah, that's the other thing. With Ingram, Ingram coming back in week four, right? It's week four, right? Uh, after week four. After week four, yeah. After he comes back, I think they have a bye week right after that. So technically, it's kind of like a weird five-week suspension or four-and-a-half-week suspension. But when they get him back, then, then I'm going to really be able to judge this team as what they're going to be the rest of the way down the stretch here. But right now, it's looking really dicey in the bayou. Yeah, uh, no question. Absolutely no question. It's been a very interesting year in the NFC South to this point. Uh, but we move to the AFC here for one, another of the 1 o'clock games, East, East Coast time. The Raiders are at the Dolphins. <laughs> a game. Yeah. <laughs> Air quotes around this. Yeah. <laughs> the Dolphins are 2-0. They, they've won against Tennessee. They beat the Jets on the road. They've been underdogs in bold. Now they're a favorite, three and a half points, although Vegas not giving them much love, basically saying they're just a slight bit better than the Raiders. The Raiders are 0-2. Look, I'll make this short and sweet, so I don't know how much analysis we need for this. The Raiders are just a, a, a crap show right now, for the lack of a, of a term I'd like to use but can't. Uh, they're a crap show. They trade Khalil Mack. They lose 2019 to Denver, mostly because they get no pressure on Keenum. After the game, Gruden's talking about they got to get pressure. They can't get enough pressure. I mean, what are you talking about? Like, what world do you live in? You need to get more pressure. You just traded Khalil Mack. What like, what did you think was going to happen? I am just so flabbergasted by this entire situation with the Raiders. I will never understand what their mental process was to hire Gruden, what the plan was. I mean, I'm sure, I would hope when they talked to Gruden to hire him, they had some kind of idea like, okay, John, what do you think you're going to do with the team? Well, I think I'm going to get older, slower, and trade our best player. Awesome. Here's $100 bucks over 10 years. They're 0-2. They have two sacks on the year. They don't get a lick of pressure. And without getting pressure, they're, they're done because their back end of the defense is atrocious. Uh, Carr was much better. He only had three incompletions in the whole game, but he still scored 19 points. I, I have to take the Dolphins by default. I don't know that I think the Dolphins are any good, but I think they're better than that. And they're, on the, and they're at home. The Raiders have to go all the way across the country, which I do think matters. Sometimes I think it's overrated, but... When you're not a good team, I think it's, it just is even more of a hurdle. Give me the Dolphins to get to three and O on the year. Who would have thought that was coming a few weeks ago? Yeah, it's it's. I'm not putting. I'm not buying a lot of stock in the the undefeated nature of the Dolphins season. But I do agree with you. I'm taking I'm taking Miami in this one, simply because in back to back weeks, the Raiders have come out of the gate looking all right, like pretty decent. They come out against the Rams on that Monday night game. It's a, they're, they're showing up. 
which is a lot more than many people expected them to do. And then for most of this game, until basically the last 30 seconds, they're beating Denver, and they're beating them pretty solidly and convincingly. But in back-to-back weeks, they ran out of gas. And that's what happens when you get older and you get slower and you have a head coach where the game has passed him by. And then you take into account here, this is where going coast-to-coast matters because you're cutting into these guys' sleep cycles and, you know, they got to take Metamucil at a different hour than they're used to. So that really affects these kinds of things. Yeah, it's hard. You can't sleep too much when you got to get up to pee three times because you're 80. It's true. But I'm taking Miami in this one, but I'm not taking... At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Miami is saying like, oh yes, they're going to be a force here in the AFC. It's kind of going to be like the Broncos where they're going to win, but it's all going to come. The pendulum is going to swing back and we're going to get around to week 10 and 11 and the the Dolphins are going to be right where we think they're going to be. But hey, enjoy the 3-0 while it lasts because, you know, Ryan Tannehill's back and the dream season of (laughs) Jay Cutler is way, way behind us at this point. Give me Miami in this one. Well, there's come up and it's probably coming the following week when they go to New England and then they go to Cincinnati. Uh, But hey, listen, give the Dolphins credit. They've won two games to start the year. And I don't think anybody thought they were going to be 2-0. And here they are, and that's exactly what they are. So, you know what? Give the Dolphins credit. And look, this is a conference where they win nine games might make the playoffs. Yeah, You look around this conference, this is not the NFC, okay? There are some teams in this thing that you say, well, I just don't know if they're any good. And you rack up, you make no apologies for the wins you get. In the NFL, they're all hard to get. So if they beat the Raiders, and we both think they will, they'll be three and zero. I will say this though: if you're Miami, you have to win this game. Yeah, you are at home against a bad team. You have to win this game. Sticking with an AFC West team, the Chiefs, home to the Niners. <laughs> the Chiefs are six point favorites. The Chiefs are going to be opening uh, a Barrowhead Stadium for the year. San Francisco won 30-27 to in a wild game over Detroit. They held on for their first win of the year. Garoppolo threw a ridiculous pick at the end of the game. It could have cost the Niners the game. Luckily for him, it was called back on, on a penalty. That was away from the play. It didn't affect it at all. Um, but the Niners did win. They were able to get it done. Uh, Garoppolo did finish 18-26, 206 yards and two touchdowns. He was sacked six times, though, in the game. Uh, which is a cause for concern. Uh, Matt Bryda had 138 rushing yards for San Francisco coming out of nowhere uh, to to get the job done. So we'll see what happens there for the Niners. An interesting team. I think kind of a team still finding itself, Um, but but a nice job by them to get off the schneid early and win a game. And then, of course, the Chiefs, uh, and and I'll I'll just lead off here. (laughs) Look, I'll, I'll be very, very honest. I picked the Steelers to win week two. I thought they'd win the game. And I said the only way the Chiefs are going to win this game is if it's a flat-out shootout and Kansas City just finds a way to outscore them. Well, that's exactly what happened. They did 42-37 to in Pittsburgh. The Chiefs just continue to give up a ridiculous amount of yardage. The Steelers, I actually thought, had an interesting game plan, and I thought a good one. They didn't even bother trying to uh, run the football. They said, the hell with it. Why even waste time? We're going to throw nonstop against a secondary that can't stop anybody. The Chiefs, for a period there, 
decided that there was no reason to rush more than three guys. It turned into a circus. Roethlisberger ends up throwing the ball 60 times for 452 yards and three touchdowns, but they the Steelers lose because Mahomes goes 23 of 28 for 326 yards and six touchdowns. He has 10 touchdowns and no picks on the year. Uh, look, I don't know what to say other than this with the Chiefs. Their defense stinks, and they're going to lose a game with the should never lose because they're going to give up 40 points. They are also going to be unbelievably entertaining. And this is a franchise that is not at a franchise quarterback since Len Dawson, who retired after the 75 season. They finally have their guy in Mahomes. Now, like, he's going to have his games where he doesn't play well. As great as he's been, there's going to be a game where he's confused. They play against a great scheme. The team drops some passes, whatever. Things happen. But this kid is everything and then some that the Chiefs could have ever asked for him to be. He Make no mistake about it. He is the reason they beat Pittsburgh. And he is the reason I am picking them to beat San Francisco. I think they win the game. I think they cover. This is a hard spot for the Niners. Okay, this is a home opener for Kansas City. It is a very hard place to play unless it's the playoffs and everybody beats the Chiefs at Arrowhead. But in the regular season, it's exceedingly tough to beat them there. I don't think the Niners are quite there yet as a team. While the Chiefs have their flaws, they're going to throw the ball all over the lot. The Niners don't have a great pass rush. If they don't pressure Mahomes, you're dead. Uh, and, and conversely, the Niners don't have great weapons, especially if Goodwin continues to be out with the hamstring. So I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think they're going to get the 3-0, and and I don't think the Mahomes hype is going to stop here anytime soon. Look, 10 touchdowns and no picks for a guy with three career starts. You're going to draw attention. Yeah, and I was I was a little wrong about maybe saying we should pump the brakes on the Mahomes train because he's the real deal, like, and it's impressive, and I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. You never want to root against somebody like Mahomes who's just electric and who's exciting to watch. Like that game, again. I mean, I know you get frustrated during Chiefs games, and by God, the last two minutes of that game were very intense. I mean, you were on the phone with your father who was having, you know, an episode. In the New man York. was in a rhythmia because he couldn't <laughs> see the game because he canceled his, his cable bill because he didn't want to pay for cable. Now I think he would pay any price to have cable. Yeah. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but I mean, like the last two minutes of that game were pretty intense. But Mahomes definitely seems to be the real deal. And like you said, there's going to be a time where teams start to figure him out. They're going to have film on him. He's going to run into a good defense. Like that game against the Jaguars and Arrowhead later this year is going to be very interesting to me because that's an excellent secondary. That's a fantastic defense. And that's going to be a game that's going to be a test for Mahomes. And he might not win it, but that's okay because he looks right now like a guy who is very confident, who, granted, he's been almost flawless through the first couple games of the season. I don't think that's going to last. But he's not overly confident to where he's – trying to force balls and he's trying to force passes into places they're not supposed to go he's been very smart and that's something that's different than other quarterbacks who have had a hot start or who have gone through periods where they look like they're really really good and then they start making bad decisions I haven't seen Patrick Mahomes make a bad decision which is very key you know Jameis Winston was somebody that I was kind of comparing him to in my mind because a lot of the things lined up. He's a gunslinger. He's a guy who's going to run around and create plays with his feet. He's going to keep plays alive. He's going to force balls in tight windows and sometimes make it, sometimes not make it. But the difference is there was a couple of plays against Pittsburgh where Mahomes was under pressure and he took the sack. 
Whereas Jameis Winston tries to make the play right up until the very last second, and it ends up as a turnover. He fumbles it. He throws an interception. That's not what I'm seeing out of Mahomes, and that's what is so exciting about this from a football fan standpoint, and then from a Chiefs fan standpoint, I can understand, too, not having a franchise quarterback. Just the smarts that Mahomes has, the intelligence that really can't be taught in combination with what Andy Reid is capable of doing with a good quarterback— this has all the makings of being very, very exciting. But as you said, the Achilles heel, the anchor, is Bob Sutton in the defense, which is going to be a frustrating downfall to a lot of these games this season, I think, because the Chiefs, they're going to need to score 50 points to win. Like today, like you said, they should have lost this game, but they had Patrick Mahomes. I'm waiting for the first time where it's they lost the game even though they had Patrick Mahomes. They were very, very close to losing a game where he threw for six touchdowns, and that's all on the defense. And that is incredibly frustrating. I think they're going to win next week. But this is, this is going to be something that I'm going to be watching all season long. When does Patrick Mahomes' phenomenal play finally get met with just how awful the defense has been playing? That's, and it's going to happen at some point. It is going to happen at some point. Eric Berry will come back, they say, in the next week or two, which will help. But I don't think it's going to fix everything. Uh, no, their defense is terrible. But for now... And maybe this is just me with the with the red tinted glasses on. I am just enjoying the quarterback because this has been. Look, I have lived. I, I will just give anybody out there a very quick bit of perspective. When I became a Chiefs fan, okay, Joe Montana was our quarterback. I was a five year old kid. Since then, I have lived through Steve Bono, Elvis Gerbach, uh, uh, Brody Croyle, Tyler Palco, <laughs> uh, Damon Heward. Trent we did have Trent Green. Trent Green was good. I'll, I'll say that Trent Green at least was good. But you know he wasn't the franchise because he was Matt only going to be the franchise. Matt Castle, Smith. And you know what? I like Alex Smith a lot more than most people. Or at least more than some people. I'll say that. The Chiefs would be 0-2 if he was their quarterback right now. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. They never – here's a stat for you. In five games against the Steelers – when he was with the Chiefs, Alex Smith threw five touchdowns. Mahomes threw six in one game. The Chiefs never, ever could beat them when Mahomes or when when Smith was the quarterback. Mahomes brings a different level to the Chiefs in the sense that they are never out of a game. They can throw their way through any kind of trouble they're in. They gave, they were up twenty-one nothing. They gave the lead up, and then all of a sudden he comes roaring back. They don't punt in the second half at any point in time. They were tremendous. They had Kelsey went over 100 yards. Watkins at 100 yards. Hill Hill didn't touch the ball once in the first half. He had 90 yards and a touchdown in the second half. The Chiefs are going to give up points, but my God, are they going to score a lot of them. So moving on here, last of the 1 o'clock games, uh, Tennessee at Jacksonville. Jacksonville, a a 6.5-point favorite. Uh, Hill, I don't know about you, I was really impressed by Jacksonville. I'll be the first to admit I picked them to lose mm-hmm. this week. I thought they would get beaten by New England. I didn't think it would be a blowout. I thought it would be a close game, but I thought they would lose. Uh, Bortles might have played the best game of his career. Threw for 377 yards and four touchdowns. Meanwhile, Brady was was not bad, but he was held in check by Jacksonville's defense. 24 uh, for 35, 234, two touchdowns. And Rob Gronkowski, two catchers for 15 yards. And I'll get into my takeaways on this game uh, a little bit more with New England later on. But for Jacksonville, didn't have Fournette in the game, still found a way to win. They're 2-0. They now host the Titans. And uh, six and a half, I think, is frankly a low line for this game. Yeah, that's whatever we see out of the quarterback for Tennessee, because we don't know who it's going to be. It could be Mariota, could be Blaine Gabbert. 
I'm slightly more confident that Mariota is going to be something against the Jaguars than I am if you're throwing out Blaine Gabbert against that defense. Uh, Give me Jacksonville in this one. Blake Bortles, he's going to have his moments. He's going to have games like this where you sit back and you go, hey, maybe he's not that bad. Maybe he's not the weight that we think he is. And then he's going to resurface again, and he's going to go full Bortles. He's going to throw a couple of picks, or he's going to have a game where they lose because he threw for 115 yards and no touchdowns. He's going to have those games, too, and he's going to have more of those, frankly, than he's going to have the games he had against New England. But, hey, give it to him because he, he put together this game. They beat New England. I don't want to take anything away from them. But at the same time, show me how many times New England has started slow and ended up going to the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick does not care if he loses games in September. He doesn't care if they look bad against the Jaguars in week two because he knows he's going to be able to beat them in the AFC championship game. That's just the way the Patriots work. That's how they operate. So this isn't, while I don't want to take too much away from the Jaguars, I also don't want to make this sound like they have toppled the empire in New England because they haven't. They didn't go to the Super Bowl last year because they couldn't beat New England. Case in point. So give me, give me Jacksonville in this one. Just because the Titans, they don't excite me enough. Because I think that Houston lost that game. I don't think the Titans beat them. But the Jaguars are still the better team. And if the Jaguars are going to make us all take them more seriously than some people are willing to do, they need to win divisional games like this where they're the better team. And that's that's case in point. Yeah. Listen, I... I think Jacksonville's a little better than I thought. I, I think Jacksonville missed the playoffs. And not... Again, although the people in Duval have, have their issues with me, but not because I don't think Jacksonville is a quality team. I just don't trust the quarterback. Well, mm-hmm. played very well. Um, I was impressed. I think they're going to win this week. I think they're going to cover. I don't think Tennessee's going to score 10 points. No. Tennessee has no weapons. And you know what? Listen, Tennessee last year made the playoffs. They won a game. Give them credit for that. Tennessee stinks. Tennessee is a good defense. They have a pop gun offense. I don't trust Mariota. At what point are we just going to say Mariota's just not that good? Yeah. I mean, that, that's that got to be coming down the pipe. And, and Gabbert is not beating most teams. Okay, they scored 20 today, but 13 of those points were offensive. They, they, they just do not threaten you at all. Uh, I think ultimately this is a game where I look at and say Jacksonville is going to hold them down. They'll score 20 points to win. Uh, so I think Jacksonville gets this win. I think Tennessee falls to 1-2. and two. Uh, and Jacksonville starts to take a stronghold on this on this division. Yeah. The 4 o'clock games, there are three of them. And the first game is a battle for Los Angeles. The Chargers are at the Rams. Obviously not a big commute here for L.A. because they're going to L.A. Uh, six and a half points are the spread, or is the spread the Rams favorite over the Chargers. I'll make this short and sweet. Uh, a, because I think it's pretty simple analysis, and B, because we're approaching an hour, and I don't know how long the commute is, but I don't want this to have to stretch over four days for you. Um, I think the Rams are going to win this game because right now I think the Rams might be the best team in football. They have really good defense. Their offense is extremely innovative. They're much better than even the talent on the team would indicate. Um, and, of course, they have Gurley, so that's really saying something. Look, the Chargers just – I never trust them against good teams, ever, ever. They never beat teams that, that are quality opponents. This year, case in point, everybody picks them to win the West. The Chiefs go in there and lay 38 points on them. The Chargers did get right against the Bills. Big deal. Who cares? I think they lose this game to the Rams. Uh, the Rams are built to take on a guy like Rivers because they can take away the receivers on the outside 
with, with Peters and Tlaib, and they can get a ton of pressure up the middle, and Rivers is not going anywhere. He's not scrambling. If they get pressure in his face, he's throwing the ball away or he's going down. Give me the Rams. Uh, I'll take the Chargers to cover. I think it'll be a backdoor cover. I think it'll be something like they're down 10 with two minutes to go and they'll score a touchdown. Uh, but I think the Rams win. I think they get to 3-0. and I think the Chargers fall to 1-2. and And if they do, they are a team that we start looking at as, hey, they got to get going a little bit here. Uh, or they're going to get left in the dust in their divisional race. Yeah, and that's going to be tough for them to do. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We got to go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Joey Bosa might not probably play this season based on just how, you know, downhill that situation has gone from maybe he'll play in week one to now he's wearing a boot and we don't really know what's wrong with him. That That's kind of the Chargers' M.O., though. And that's been the Chargers' M.O. in the Phillip Rivers era, which is kind of the tragedy of his legacy, which is that's how he's going to be remembered. A guy who is really good, but because he had to be really good because nothing else around him worked. Um, give me the Rams in this one. I'll be short and sweet with it. They're sneakily the best team in football, which is weird that they have to be sneaky about it. Quiet, I think, is the better word because nobody's paying attention to them. In the same way that we're paying attention to Green Bay and Minnesota and, by God, even Tampa Bay, um, these teams that are making a lot of noise, the Rams, a team that we thought was going to make a lot of noise because they got Sue in the offseason, because they got, you know, they brought, they give Aaron Donald all that money and they get a keep to leave and they trade for Marcus Peters and they get better. That to me made it sound like, it made it seem like they were going to be this loud team, but here they are, they're, they're 2 and 0 and they're kind of almost a footnote in the NFC, but that's fine because nobody really took them seriously last year and they, 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 took off and they were this great team so I think this is kind of the way Sean McVay wants it and the Rams like you said I agree with you are the best team in football and it's going to be a couple weeks until I think we really start talking about them that way but games like this I think they're just going to destroy the Chargers it's going to be a massacre big time yeah yeah I don't I don't know if I I see a massacre I just don't think the Chargers beat them I don't think they're good enough to win the game Uh, the Chargers every year you get all this hype of how good they are, and mm-hmm. then they play these teams that are playoff caliber teams, and they never beat them. So, give me the Rams. Uh, this game I'll be extremely short and sweet on. The Bears are favored by four over the Cardinals in the desert. If the Cardinals don't start Josh Rosen, what are we doing? Yeah. Sam Bradford can't throw for 100 yards and 27 attempts. I, I mean, just enough. Enough. And, you know, we talked about this in the office, but I'll put this on the podcast. When is enough with Sam Bradford? Everybody always he, – he's so accurate. He's accurate because he throws the ball three feet. I mean, anybody in the league can be accurate throwing the ball literally four or five yards in attempt. I mean, it's, it's nauseating to watch. Just enough. Enough. Yank him. I don't, I'm not even one typically to say that about veteran guys when there's a rookie in the wings. I usually say wait it out. You are, you are gaining nothing. By playing this guy. Like, I was in favor of playing Peterman over Allen because I feel like the Bills are going to get their teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. And I think Allen's going to get his teeth kicked in because he's so raw. He's on a horrible offensive line. Look, Rosen is not raw. Rosen can come in and play right now. The, the Cardinals at least have some guys around them. Like, the Cardinals stink, but they're, they're not the Bills offensively. Just bring him in. 
as far as the, the game, I'm taking the Bears. I know they're on a short week going to, to Arizona. I don't care. Uh, I just I can't pick the card. The Cardinals have been awful. The Bills are getting all the press because the Bills have been so bad. But the Cardinals are a one A in terms of going for that number one pick. They they have done nothing defensively. They are doing nothing offensively. There is nothing I can say about the Cardinals that's positive except hey, two of these games are out of the way. You're 14 games away from the draft. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said there. It's it's the Josh Rosen show here in in Arizona. You just have to go to it. There's there's really no excuse for not doing it at this point. I don't think that there's any way that they win next week. It's it's just bad. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, and the Bears aren't that much better, but they're at least a competent franchise and that Matt Nagy is going to be able to get things going here. I think that week 1 fluke, I think he made his mistake. He should have run the ball on that on that play on that drive late in the game against Green Bay. You win some, you lose some. You live and you learn. If you're going to make that mistake, if you're Matt Nagy, make it then. He's not going to make those mistakes against uh, Arizona. And even if he does, they're so bad that he's going to get bailed out. So give me give me Chicago and give me everybody who plays against Arizona this entire season. They're going to get the number one pick. Buffalo's going to win a game at some point, and so is Arizona, but Buffalo's going to win maybe one game more than them because everything that the Cardinals have done right now just looks absolutely disgusting. Yeah, there's no reason to go further. I, I just think the Cardinals are a two, three-win team. And if Bradford's playing, I don't even want to watch, honestly. There's no reason. Okay, final 4 o'clock game of the week. Dallas at Seattle, of course. Uh, Dallas is going to win this game that, that we're uh, putting on the podcast uh, or during the podcast. They're, they're going to beat the Giants. So they're going to be one-on-one. They're playing Seattle, who is on the road for the Monday night game in Chicago. Seattle is a favorite at three points. I'm sure, I'm sure that'll change here in the next couple of hours, couple of days. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what to think of this game. I don't think Dallas is any good, to be honest. The, 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 to me, this Sunday night game tells me the Giants stink far more than it tells me the Cowboys are good. Uh, I think Seattle might be one of the five worst teams in the league, especially with all the injuries they have already. I'm going to take Dallas. I just think Seattle's awful. Uh, but I, I take it with very little confidence because I could see this being a game where Wilson goes berserk and a bunch of guys we've never heard of rack up yards for Seattle and they win – but I will take Dallas simply because I just – I don't know how Seattle's going to generate any offense. And if Wagner's out, I don't know how they're going to stop people up front. Yeah, give me Seattle in this one just because it's in Seattle. And that's really the only reason. Um, the Cowboys haven't been that impressive for the first two games, and I say that in that they're probably going to beat the Giants here 20-10 to 10 in – the Sunday night game, even though the Giants just recovered an onside kick. Um, but the Cowboys are like, they're as bad as the Giants have looked, this should be a bigger margin of victory than what it's going to be at home against a very bad offensive line for the Giants. I mean, Eric Flowers, they just showed the Evan Ingram touchdown. And the only reason Eli Manning threw the ball is because Flowers was getting shoved into him by Demarcus Lawrence. And that's been the case all game long. And when you're playing against that bad of an offensive line, you have to do better. And Seattle has no offensive line, so I think it's going to be a similar game. But because it's at home, because Russell Wilson is a lot better than Eli Manning, I think he's going to make some plays. Give me Seattle in this one, but this is a game that you're probably going to not watch. You can probably just watch the highlights and check out the score after because it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. Uh, Speaking of a game that might not be very pretty, depending on who you root for, the Sunday night game, (laughs) New England at Detroit – 
New England six and a half point favorite. And, and look, I'll, I'll just say this about this game. You don't ever want to see New England after they've lost. Mm-mm. They don't typically lose twice in a row. No. I know the game's in Detroit. I don't care about that, frankly. The game was in Detroit week one, and the Jets on 48 on them. You know what? This thing with Patricia is going downhill in a hurry, in a major hurry. And before the season started, I said, you know, I think Detroit's roster is better than some people realize, but they just never, just like I kind of said about the Chargers, they just never can seem to live up to their expectations. They never seem to play to their talent level. And here we are again. Detroit's 0-2. They lost to the Jets. They lost to the Niners. Can anybody say that those two teams are more talented than Detroit player for player? <laughs> no. 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 Detroit player for player should be both those teams. But they're 0-2 because they're completely undisciplined. Like Garrett Blunt gets thrown out of the game in the fourth quarter for being an idiot. And coming off the bench and shoving a player on the Niners down to the ground. He gets tossed for it. The Lions took a bunch of penalties. This team, this has the feel of a team that's going to be looking for a new head coach come New Year's. And that's incredible to say, considering this is his first year on the job. But boy, it really looks that way. New England, Norm might say, well, Patricia knows New England. Well, I, I don't care. Doesn't matter. Makes no difference. New England is going to light Detroit up in this game. It's six and a half for New England. It could be double that, and I would take the Pats. I think the Pats just roll over the Lions in week three. Yeah, this is a perfect storm of just bad things for the Lions. You're catching New England off of a loss, which is bad. And then you are in a game where Bill Belichick's going up against one of his former coaches, which is historically never a good thing. Like the, the brightest, shiniest moment that has ever been had by a Belichick disciple is when Josh McDaniel somehow beat them when he was with the Broncos. You remember him running over to the end zone and clapping with the Broncos fans. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, he was fired because he's a terrible head coach. This, it's going to be a similar thing with that, okay? Because Patricia... He's a guy who a lot of people think called a bad game in the Super Bowl. Say what you will about the, the game as a whole, but a lot, of the, a lot of the onus fell on Patricia for them losing that game. Belichick might be bitter about that. He also likes beating up on guys who think they, they can have a life outside of the nest. This is just going to be ugly. And I don't know, I don't know if Patricia is gone is a one and done. I think they just have to, for pride's sake, give him another year. But, oh, boy, this looks bad. This looks awful and I would not be surprised if the if the Lions have a new head coach and really kind of a new regime change in a year or two as we approach what surprisingly might be the final stretch of Matthew Stafford's career at what point does he just go Calvin Johnson and say forget this man like I'm done like I know you're paying me gobs of money but holy crap this is just awful like mentally that has to be tough on him give me New England big time in this one yeah. I mean, can they ever again is there anything we talked about during the day on Sunday here at Fansided can they ever, ever put somebody around the guy? I know Calvin Johnson's there. I get it. That's fine. He's one player. As great as he was, he's one player. Yep. Can they ever give him a running back? Never had a Can running back. Can they ever have a defense? You're like, man, I really believe in this de- Detroit defense. The best defense they ever had was the one year of quality. They went 11-5. and five. I think it was 2015. It was the year they lost to Dallas in the wild card. Uh, yeah. They just, every year with this, I mean, put anybody around them. Instead of this nonsense he trot out there every year, but that's neither here nor there, we'll move on. And before we move on to the Monday night game, which is, of course, Tampa Bay hosting Pittsburgh, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors over at Fanatics. Fanatics, everything you need as a fan, you get it from them. 
anything, anything from jerseys to hats, any kind of memorabilia to something to hang on your wall, something to put on your, on your car, anything, anything you can think of. Fanatics has you covered. Go to fanside.fanatics.com. They will take care of you. And the code fanside will take care of you because you will get 20% off on your shipping. Uh, it's, it Honestly, you cannot go wrong with it for you, for, for maybe a friend, a gift, a birthday gift, a holiday gift, whatever. You name it, they've got it. Uh, and so also, before I forget, please go to iTunes and subscribe to Stack in the Box. Uh, also, my column comes out every morning at 6 o'clock Eastern on Mondays. Uh, please read that. It'll be led by the Patrick Mahomes experience this week. I think that's as topical as it gets. Um, and we have so much other great content on Fanside, really, whether it's football or anything else. But uh, we have a ton of great NFL coverage, whether it's just be straight up or fantasy or picks and projections. You name it, it's there. Um but please, as far as Stack in the Box is concerned, give our Facebook page a like. Uh, we go on air every twelve, uh, every Tuesday at 12.30 Eastern with Ashley Young and Mark Carmen. Uh, we have a half-hour show, Stack in the Box uh, Live, where we kind of go over everything in the week that was. So keep all that in mind. Thank you if you subscribe, and if you already have, we really appreciate it. Um, the Monday night game, the line is three points, somehow in favor of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 0-1-1. Obviously, we talked about the Chiefs and and that game uh, in Week 2 at Heinz Field. But we didn't get into the Steelers' side of it. I will, as I always do when we talk about the Bucs, I will let you lead off, Josh. Uh, It is a three-point line for Pittsburgh. Of course, the Bucs, 27-21. Fitzy for the second week in a row, over 400 yards passing. Of course, they win. Your thoughts on your Bucks and the game ahead for you guys? I don't know what to do with myself <laughs> after two weeks of Fitz magic. Um, we've graduated the Fitz matrix, where this is a dream world where nothing makes sense, but somehow the Buccaneers are two and zero and they're winning the NFC South. Um, it kind of reminds me, in a way, of how I felt about Case Keenum last year, where we were waiting for the other shoe to drop. And he was putting together good games, and the Vikings were winning. Granted, the Vikings had a much better defense than the Buccaneers do. But it was, it's the same thing with Fitzpatrick, where after last week, even I was like, well, he's going to come back crashing to earth in week two because he can't possibly do this two weeks in a row. And here he is. He already has 819 yards passing through the first two games of the season. He's going to cross if he has another game like he had this week against the Steelers, which... What we've seen from the Steelers' defense the first two weeks of the season is very, very possible. He could go over 1,000 yards passing before week four, okay? He has eight touchdowns already. He was probably going to eclipse the double-digit mark uh, next week against Pittsburgh. This is incredible. I don't know what to do with myself. And this, Jameis Winston does not get this job back. I'm sorry. He does not get this job back until Ryan Fitzpatrick loses it, which is an incredible statement when you think about it because he was forced into this. Nobody, There was zero expectations as to how the season was going to go for the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston is suspended. We got questions about the defense. This is going to be a, a lost year. Cutter is going to get fired by Halloween, blah, 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 blah. All of that's still possible. All of it's still on the table. But Fitzpatrick has looked so good, and he's giving the Buccaneers something that they haven't had, and it's consistency at quarterback. And that takes a lot of stress off of all other aspects of the team. The defense doesn't feel the need to go out there and try to win games because they know they have a quarterback who's going to go out and protect the lead or get them a lead and do his job. You also have a guy who, you take a look at his post-game press conference, which went viral, where he dressed up in Deshaun Jackson's outfit. You got a guy who's likable 
on a national stage. Okay, people are talking about the Buccaneers, and they're not talking about them in an embarrassing way because they're losing, and they're not talking about them because the quarterback's groping Uber drivers. They're talking about them because they're fun, and they're good, and they're likable, which is new to me because I've never had that as a Buccaneer. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. The average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know. Your neighbor's building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Fam, not since 2002 when Gruden won a Super Bowl and then rode the team into the ground. So I, I'm hesitant to go too hard one way and say that this is a changing of the guard, that the Buccaneers have figured this out, that this is going to be a thing. But I really do see them beating Pittsburgh next week because the, the Steelers look terrible against Tyrod Taylor. And then they allowed six touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes, who right now is neck and neck in, MVP, in the MVP race with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, They're the two best quarterbacks in the league right now. So that, that, to me, gives me a lot of confidence that the Bucs can go in here. It's at home. It's on Monday night. Okay, If they're going to be taken seriously, they need to win this game on national television. They need to go out there and say, we're here. This is our moment. This is our season. This isn't going to be a dynasty with Fitzpatrick, but we can be a good team this year with him. That's what I need to see from them against Pittsburgh. And everything I've seen from the Steelers... I think it's going to happen. So give me the Buccaneers in this one. I might be wrong. They could end up getting blown out on national television and everything could come swinging back in and reality could come crashing back down. But right now, it's incredibly hard to pick against the Buccaneers. And I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. Listen. You know, when James Winston got suspended for three games, and I'll be the first to say, I'm not always the biggest Winston guy. In fact, I'm not a lot of times because I just think the turnovers are ridiculous. Yeah. There's so many times where we have them on in the television or on the television in the office, and he just does things like, what in God's name are you doing? He's halfway in the ground, getting sacked, throws the ball straight up in the air. I mean, just stuff that is comically dumb. Fitzpatrick has been known as a guy who's throwing the ball over. Well, guess what? He hasn't turned the ball over. He's playing really well. Well, he threw one interception, but it was barely an interception. Yeah, well, right, sure, yes. You're, it wasn't his you're, fault. You're right, but my point is, look, if he throws one pick every two games, they're, they're fine. Yeah, eight to one, okay. that's his ratio. And the, there have been a lot of guys missing for the Bucs in these games. Mm, yeah. like, defensively, the, the Buccaneers have not had Noah Spence, who's a very good player. Brent Grimes might be 80 years old, but he's still a very good player. Like, the Bucs have missed guys in this game, and I believe there's even another player I'm forgetting Vita about. Vita Vea hasn't played Thank yet. Thank you, Vita Vea, that's what I was trying to think of. So... The Buccaneers are missing because I will take it a step further than you do. I think the Buccaneers are going to pound the Steelers in this game. God, I hope so. <laughs> How's that? Because the Steelers couldn't guard anybody on Kansas. Now, I get it. The Chiefs have a lot of great weapons. But guess what? So does Tampa. Deshaun Jackson can play. Okay? Mike Evans might be the best receiver that nobody ever pays attention to. They have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Cameron yep. Brait is a good tight end. O.J. Howard can be a very good tight end. Adam Humphreys is a good possession receiver. The Bucs can lay it on you. They have a lot of guys who can score points, and they are rolling, and the Steelers right now stink. Oh, and by the way, the Steelers are god-awful away from home more often than not. The, the, Roethlisberger is terrible outside of Heinz Field the last handful of years. I just, look, we both talked about Steelers for the year, and we both picked them to miss the playoffs. 
I do not like the Steelers very much this year. And that was before I, we all knew Bell was holding out. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I don't want to, I think the story of James Conner is amazing. And I am in awe of the man as a human being. That being said, after just killing the Browns, he had eight carries for 17 yards against Kansas City. Okay, he's not Le'Veon Bell. I'm sorry. He's a good player. I'm not saying he's not. He did have five catches, 48 yards, but he, he is not making anybody forget about Le'Veon Bell. I think the Buccaneers are going to win this game. It's at home. They're playing very good football. Mm-hmm. I know the Steelers are desperate to win this game. I don't care. The Steelers were desperate to win on, on Sunday against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs just put it on them throughout a lot of this game. And, you know, look, the Chiefs' defense stinks, but in the second half of that game, the Chiefs didn't give them a whole heck of a lot. Pittsburgh scored one touchdown. They got a safety, and then they scored a, a touchdown very late in the game off a turnover. That was it. Kansas City really clamped down. Now, you know, 500 yards later, but they clamped down as they're going to have. I think there's going to be a lot of points in the game because I don't know if the Bucks aren't healthy defensively, if they can shut down Pittsburgh. But I think they're going to win. I really do. I think the Buccaneers are going to win the game. Obviously, then I would I would take them to to cover. Uh, and I think Tampa Bay finds a way to get it done. And so to you, Hill, I ask you final thoughts here as we head into, well, Monday night first, but then week three of the NFL season. Well, the kicker situation across the league is something I'm going to be paying attention to. Uh, to your point about the Buccaneers' offense, something that concerned me was the only way that they were scoring was big home run swings. You look at all those touchdowns against the Saints. They were big-time home runs. They were one-play drives, 75 yards. And then they start the game, one-play, 75 yards, Deshaun Jackson touchdown. One-play, 75 yards, O.J. Howard touchdown. But towards the end of that game, they were putting together actual scoring drives, six plays, 70 yards, seven plays, 54 yards. So that gives me some confidence that the offense is going to be able to get something going. And that's something to look at across the league here is – teams figuring themselves out okay the first couple of weeks are always weird you get the browns maybe winning a game you get ties with the vikings and the packers teams are going to start figuring themselves out they're going to start settling in and it's which side are they settling in on are they going to be like the bucks and hopefully settle in and put together a winning season to make the playoffs with a veteran quarterback or are they going to be on the other side of it where maybe the titans are where it's They don't necessarily figure it all out. They still have a lot of question marks. The quarterback maybe isn't who they're supposed to be with. That's that's where we're at. The the cream is starting to separate as we head into week three, and it's going to continue to get that as we march closer to October and get in there. Where are these teams going to be as they start to figure themselves out? And that's going to be the interesting thing because we have question marks all over the place. Like we were just talking about here, are the Bengals going to go three and zero? What do the Dolphins look like if they're three and zero? Can the Cowboys get to two and one? Like, there's lots of questions across the board that we want to see answered, and that's what I'm interested in seeing is if these teams can figure themselves out. Yeah, I think you know, for me personally, there are some pretty good teams in the league that have not, or at least that we think are good teams in the league that are not playing particularly well right now. And I, th- I think it's time to get the train rolling here. Look, you know, yes, it's only going to be week three. I get all that. But at some point, at some point, you got to put together a game. you got to put together a win. If you're the Giants, you got to beat Houston. you got to find a way to do it. And the same goes for Houston. Whoever loses that game is done. Okay? Neither one of those two teams is good. Let's come back from on three. You know, for me, the Chargers have an opportunity to play against the Rams. Win the game. It's just barely even a road game for you. You're, you're in the same city. Go, go win the game. 
Go show the world something that you can beat a good team. Uh, you know, I, I want to see that of them. For the Steelers, hey, look, it's it's time to show something a little bit here. You played like crap against Cleveland. You gave up a gazillion points against a, a quarterback being in his third start. And yes, he looks great. He does. But you're at home in that game. I mean, you can't be giving up. You can't score 37 points and lose, okay? There are some teams this week. I want to see Denver on the road against Baltimore. How do they look? Because Denver, to me, looks like a soft 2-0. Can they step up and win the game? There's a lot of questions that I have that haven't been answered. And look, they're going to be answered over time. They're not even all going to be answered week three. But I always believe the first couple of weeks, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what's what. But as you start getting into week three, week four, you start getting a little bit of a baseline of what these teams are. You start to figure it out. So I think we're going to find out. And of course, we're going to find out together because we will be back with you next Sunday. Uh, we'll be recording again for a Monday morning podcast. Or if you're up real late, you'll get it on Sunday night. But for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verner, and thanks so much for listening. And again, please subscribe on iTunes and feel free to contact us anytime. Hit us up with a question, a comment. We're always happy to hear from you. Uh, but for now, that is it from us. Week two, Sands of Monday Night game is in the books. Hopefully your team won. Good luck to your team week three, and we will be talking to you next week. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. This is Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save